Welcome to the Conscious Women Entrepreneurs Podcast. This show offers wisdom, inspiration, and tips on how women entrepreneurs build their businesses and how they incorporate mindfulness and spiritual practices to become successful. I'm your host, Martina Thomason, a certified entrepreneur coach. I specialize in helping women entrepreneurs overcome limiting beliefs to get more clients and grow their income. Now, let's jump into today's episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Conscious Women Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Martina Thomason, and today I am excited to introduce you to Linda Sophia Hernquist. She has a burning desire for reuse and sustainable solutions. Linda currently runs workshops for children and teenagers where they use their creativity while reusing and repurposing materials. So they are repairing, redesigning, and creating new clothes from old ones. One of Linda's dreams is to create a hub where various people offer their expertise to reuse and repair a wide variety of products, everything from bikes to electronics to shoes and clothes, to see that everything has value. So Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to where you're at today? You have been interested in sustainability for so long. I even know that you wrote a essay as a nine-year-old about sustainability. So tell us about your journey from a child up until this point where you are now. Thank you. I guess it all started when I um, got my first sewing machine. Or we had an old sewing machine that my mom used to use to like make curtains. And uh, I started to sew on that one when I was about 10 years old. And I was also redesigning clothes then because I, I'm from a quite small town and it doesn't have like, so, many, so many fabric shops. So I started redesigning clothes and sewing more and more and asked my mom if I could get a new sewing machine. And she was like, mm, I think it's just like a hype. So... Yeah, maybe we can buy one, but I can use it to to make some curtains uh, for myself. So she bought me a sewing machine, and since then I think I've been using it every day. Wow! And now I'm 38, so I'm uh, almost for 30 years. <laughs> That's amazing. So you're currently living in Norway. You're from Sweden, but you've recently started this amazing workshop. So, what was your path to actually start up this workshop? I started to study fashion design. I did that in uh, Milan, or I started first half a year in in Florence just to see if I I liked it. And I really did. Everything from pattern making to sewing to history of fashion. Um, I lived in Milan for three years and studied and decided I will never ever work in the regular fashion industry with all the um, sweatshops and the cheap uh, fabrics and and yeah. everything that goes wrong with the quality in the in the fashion industry i think it's um it's uh, uh much more interesting to work with old clothes because they always have better quality and um, natural materials so i say no no to polyester and plastics and i started to redesigning 
closed from the markets because in in Italy people are really really obsessed about uh, quality and and brands. <laughs> so I started to buy a lot of a lot of stuff that I made to a collection in uh, in. Uh, the school I went to, yet Instituto Europeo de Design, and we actually won a competition that uh, sent us to Kenya to see wow. what happens to the to the um, old clothes that we donate because it's it's so much. I think only like five or ten percent of the clothes we donate here in Norway actually get resold in the stores, or it doesn't even get resold in the stores. It gets sent to the stores and. Some of it gets sold and some of it gets donated to poorer countries. And, and we wanted to see what that really did to the market in Africa. So we went to visit different um, fabric factories and they say it's uh, it's sad because they've been used making this old traditional African clothes, but now it's like, it's so much of our secondhand industry and people buy that instead because yeah. it gets cheaper than buying new clothes. And we actually got to see that with our own eyes and uh, me and my friend decided to do something about it. And he's actually living in Berlin now. He's from uh, Germany and I'm doing a little bit uh, the same here. So we are uh, oh. two spirits that just want to reuse everything we can find. <laughs> yeah. So all of that excess secondhand clothing was actually ruining business industry and also culture back in Africa because yes. they just, it was cheaper. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, this is maybe 15 years ago and it's just getting worse. Uh, more and more percentage of the clothes that are produced are made out of plastic. So it's almost up to 70% of all the clothes that gets produced now is actually made out of plastic. Yeah. And I want to work against this and make people do something with the nice things they already have in the, their closet. And I don't say no to a polyester dress if they think it doesn't fit, but they love the dress. I can redo it for them so they can use it for several more years. Yeah. I mean, all of us women, we know what suits us and, <laughs> what, yeah. and if there is something wrong with the length or the width or the, yeah. the color, we can even do anything, something about the color of the wow. clothes. So I try to talk a lot to the client and we see what we can do to, to make something that works. Yeah, beautiful. And also something to consider as well, seeing that so many of our clothing that is produced today is created from plastics that we create nanoplastic in the oceans when we wash it. So yet, yeah, so that's yet another good reason for using the old shirts and sew them to become a nice dress or uh, a purse or whatever you want but yeah like you said just using the already produced quality uh, natural products exactly and i want to i want to spread awareness uh, to grown-ups and the kids and to 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 choose wisely because our money we everybody got their money a lot of it or 
a little and we can we can choose what kind of world we want to live in by uh, choosing what we buy and that is something that people don't really think about because it's um, we're just one people but everybody thinks that one people can make a big difference and we can like change the world in the way we, we spend our money and ask questions when we are in the store where is this produced and do you know what it's made out of and ask a lot of like be interested if we are really interested in where the where the stuff comes from they have to do something about it and if they don't know they have to find out and they get interested as well and I think it's we live in a world where every everything is going so fast and we, we spend our time on the mobile phone and maybe not on what's really important, it's really also important to have interest. And I think that uh, doing this sustainability work, that is uh, uh, also a very nice interest as well as a job for me. Yeah. So I just want to point out using your money wisely. The way I see money is that money is the most honest democracy that we have in the world. We vote with every single dollar that we spend So the industry will have to follow our demand. We vote every time we make a purchase. So uh, vote wisely. (laughs) Exactly. And this also makes us, who lives in Norway, we we have a bigger responsibility with how we use our money because we got so much more than the ones who lives in Africa or India or even America some places and and it's it's super important to be aware of that not just to buy because we can because it's uh it's it's so unfair as it's uh, already yeah. and uh, there's so much we can do with just sure. choosing wisely yeah so you are creating this amazing hub for youth and one of the pillars that is very important for you is that it's not school it's about creativity and really harnessing that excitement around it so can you tell us a little bit more about what actually happens in your workshops well it's a it's a place where the the children and the youth comes after school and i mean then they've been for six hours in school studying and they they need to have a a free zone (laughs) so it's uh, everything they want to do i don't decide what they are supposed to do if they want to make a creative piece of art out of threads and and fabrics uh, scraps they can do that and if they want to make a a robe or a kimono out of uh, old sheets they can do that they can bring things to the to the workshops but i have so much stuff because it's in the in the middle of the center in the town I, I live so people come and and deliver yarns and knitting needles and pearls and and beads uh, fabrics uh, tablecloth everything so we have so much stuff and we're collecting also from the stores around we collect things that was returned to the, the stores because they were broken in a seam or something and and we we get that and we can make new stuff from it and we have around two hours so it's a a creative workshop not a sewing school yeah that's really important yeah so you're really harnessing that excitement for it and that sort of creating a hobby around it and bringing that into their lives so you were talking about um wanting to do this for grown-ups as well but because of covid in norway we've had restrictions as to if you're older than uh 18 or 20 yeah yeah, you're not allowed to to gather in certain amounts of groups but the children are so this workshop actually started in the beginning of 2020 and you've already achieved 
so much. And you're on good terms with the landlord. So you have also helped helped him decorate a wine bar in the yeah. city center with yes. some leftovers. How, how did that go? We uh, got like this uh, this job because I'm, um, I mean, we're talking a lot of sustainability now. Everything is supposed to be reusing and sustainability and circular economy and everybody knows this. And finally, my hard work pays off. I've been doing this for 15 years. And as you say, as a nine-year-old, I wrote an essay about how we destroy the world and it's so unfair on this planet. And and I, I got a job because there was this um, this chain of clothes. They uh, was bankrupt in May last year. And he was like, it looks so boring in that store because it's just white and it got like this really great um, uh, placement in the middle of the center. And so he asked if I can do something fun with a, with a showroom. <laughs> so I made like a, a huge teepee from all the... Like, all the sheets and pillows and borrowed stuff from the local stores and and just made it really nice and then i i um met with um not the close friend then but she we had been uh, collaborating i had like um a little workshop uh, together with her and and she was like hmm I study wine. Maybe we should like open a wine bar. Yeah, but then we have to do it sustainable. We have to like only get free furniture, and we have to get like paint from the the garbage and every and and just using waste materials. We uh, talked to the landlord, and he's like, it's so much better than just having an empty empty space in the middle of the summer. So we we got like three months to create something that we call a pop up bar, but now it's just called pop wine bar because wow <laughs> it became permanent it became permanent and we we have three employees that work here to assist us and we we share working hours and we're open four days a week on wednesday thursday friday and saturday and it's been right now we're not open because we're not allowed to to serve alcohol and we we haven't focused, been focusing on anything to eat. So we have like this takeaway concept. They can, people here can, can call and order from the pizzeria or the tapas or the sushi place and they can eat it here with their wine. <laughs> so it's wow. uh, quite a, a nice like um, meeting point. I was actually what I was thinking. It should be a meeting point here. And all yes. of us three who started the wine bar, we are really like, we are searching and, and looking for new opportunities. So it's, yeah. um, it's a good team. Yeah. So you and I first met last week. We were introduced by my, let's call her mother-in-law. We're not married, but <laughs> and um, we're quite similar in the sense that we have a lot of ideas. So already then we you know, decided to meet up and see, look at all the opportunities. And that was what we were talking about, that um, we think that the world is changed by individuals who are having ideas, but also taking action on them and leveraging the community to help each other out. And you've already sort of started a concept as well, which is sewing, because that's your zone of genius and <laughs> uh, sewing in the sense of planting, <laughs> planting seeds and uh, teaching children and youth to do gardening and, and that sort of stuff. So, so creating like a holistically sustainable way of life concept 
Tell us a little bit more about some thoughts around that. I, I also worked for four years in school uh, recently, and I also worked as a sewing teacher when I was 20, when I lived in Stockholm. So I've been, I've been in school for maybe six, uh, six years in total. And I think that they're doing two little practical things. And I think that's also because the, the teachers aren't really comfortable doing it. One one person can't know everything about everything. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's really important that they start doing more uh, sowing, planting, because it's the, the kids don't even know how potatoes grows. It's really fun to see the, the kids learning this and, and enjoying it because they, they really love to see things grow and they really like to, to get skills. They get so proud and they can also teach their friends. And some of them have sewing machines at home. So they made a little sewing studio at home and, and collecting things from the neighborhood if people don't need stuff. And, and everybody start talking about it. And, and instead of throwing away that uh, denim uh, dress, they can make something new from it or they can repair it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're really changing the culture of the purchase and throw away culture <laughs> so you're changing yeah. that from bottom up so you're really the the upcoming generations are the ones that already get these skills and these interests so you're really creating like a ripple effect upwards from these yeah, children I'm trying to I'm trying to and they also can can affect their parents and their grandparents to buy less to buy wisely I don't say don't buy anything but Think about what you are buying. Try to to buy things used um, as okay. much as I can. Everything from sports equipment to uh, clothes to furnitures. And I think that's also when we're talking about this little uh, like service hub, having one person that can focus on, on redesigning furnitures and then I can focus on, on textiles and some else can focus on making art from scraps and trash and whatever you can find and and somebody can focus on repairing the shoes so I, I think in 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 the future it, it's not gonna everything's going very fast now so I think yeah. it's gonna in five years it's gonna look completely different I think yeah. less stores maybe more can uh, sell secondhand clothes and and less things but more um quality yeah instead if we ask coming for that they will also sell it yeah coming back to what it was originally uh i spoke to a friend who's who really loves uh the old fashion you know chanel all the big fashion houses the reason why they were actually expensive was because of the quality they used the, the real silk they used the really nice fabrics but now it's still the same price but they've cheapened the products in order to get higher profits. So we're kind of returning to that uh, minimalistic quality and maybe pay a little bit higher price, but have fewer items. And, yeah. uh, you know, like you say, you can renew them by making tweaks to them and everything. And, and also there's a borrowing culture like yes. you can you can get that community i don't know i don't know what would work best but i mean if we have a place where you everyone can borrow something you don't use that much like a saw or a sewing machine or a drill whatever you need then they you can you can use it but i mean it's really hard to to see it how it's gonna actually 
develop <laughs> because yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of places that's going to be um, has to make a huge change. Everybody who's selling electronics, for example, everybody's selling tools and and uh, and like high fashion expensive dresses if people start borrowing a lot of people start start borrowing it in, in instead of buying it people are gonna have to change their businesses i mean we have to change the whole system it doesn't work as it is uh, now exactly yeah so it seems like there has to be like a service component so if they want to have business they would need to have a center where people can come and repair it so they can earn some money there that they can like maybe they have a second hand part so they can sell the one product over and over and over again that's pretty profitable (laughs) (laughs) one thing that struck me was the way you presented this service hub because i haven't even thought about it this way but you were saying when we met last week that if we just have secondhand shops instead of a service hub people are just going to dump all the clothing that they buy and and feel better about themselves and then go out and buy more because they can justify buying more because they're giving it away afterwards whereas if it's a service center people come and repair it and they don't go and buy more because now they've repaired what they can't use anymore exactly and and if we are really um like um, devoted to to what we do, we can also um, talk to to people and and make them see that that this is this is the way we have to to change it and to look what we already have and 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 I mean if they they take a piece from their grandma for example and they make it to something that fits them in and in our in a little modern way, they love this piece even more than if they would just have bought it in the the store. Yeah, (laughs) because now it has a sentimental value as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if you just have a, a, like a shopping center, now they are talking about opening like a secondhand center, like you can almost drive in and like drop everything and off that you don't don't need. I think that it's not the same people who's going to start buying things there that are going to to leave their things there and i think we have to do something with this who just want to to get new stuff that we have to talk to them and then we have to have like devoted people who who meets these people and talk about the things and we also have to have a a, a change in with the taxes for example here and you have to pay 25 percent of everything every time you sell it if you sell it 10 times the government wants 25% from it all the 10 times you sell a, a little bridesmaid's dress, for example. That's and it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's, uh, and also repairing. If you're repairing stuff, you have to pay 25% taxes uh, to the government. And it's not good for the circular way because in the end, you, you, you work so much, but you don't earn any money. And I think it should pay off to, to do something good for the environment and yeah, taking care of the natural uh, resources, even if it's oil or wood or cotton, it should, it should pay off. So the, we have a lot of... They have a lot of things to do there, the governments. For sure. Yeah, for sure. It should be an incentive to uh, reuse and and make new things from old things. So, exactly. so um, because this is a podcast for conscious women entrepreneurs, I always uh, ask my guests about their experiences and lessons around running a business. So 
what does um, running a conscious business look like for you in practice? Well, 10 years ago, I opened my own store here in Asker, where I currently live. I opened the store and I was doing repairing and redesigning and making uh, grandma's old wedding dress into a wedding dress that fitted for today. <laughs> so I did that for two years and then I, I saw that it's not um, profitable because it's... Um, First of all, people weren't actually understanding what I was doing uh, 10 years ago because we weren't focusing on, on circular businesses. And uh, also this uh, tax uh, <laughs> tax problem. I paid so much to the, the government that in the end I was sitting with almost nothing. So mm -hmm. then I started working in, in school and teaching uh, sewing and knitting and craft uh, art to kids. I did that for five years. And then I, I decided to, okay, but if I can uh, teach as well and I do some art, I don't have to pay the 25% of taxes because it's... Um, zero percent on on teaching so then people can actually come and repair their own things and i actually earn much more money then than if i would do them for them and they also go out with uh, um, knowledge and and a, a great feeling <laughs> that yeah. they actually did this themselves i think that is uh, also a really good way because then they see how hard it is yeah people don't really understand how hard it is to change a, a zipper or a, a, to fix a hole that shouldn't be visible uh, and some people are doing like visible mending and and doing really nice nice things but if you have like a, a suit you don't want them you don't you don't want a little star or a, a heart so then you have to do it really 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 it's it's really hard and if they do it and that's also what the kids say how can things be so cheap when it's so hard and it's so like difficult to get it to look nice and it takes so much time and we're having that conversation like uh, where your clothes from H&M are made, <laughs> they almost doesn't earn anything and they work 14, 15 hours a day and maybe don't, they don't even get holiday. They just, they just work, 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 work and they get basically shocked and they get another understanding about the differences and, uh, and the unfairness <laughs> in this world. And this is something they bring with them and they get get uh, I, th I think they will appreciate things much more yeah mm. amazing so they are having insights from all the work that you're doing and they're changing their perception of the reality in a sense I hope uh, so yeah so what are some of the biggest lessons for you from your journey as an entrepreneur? If, if you're gonna start something, <laughs> you can't care about what other people around you say. You have to really believe in what you are doing. And some people are um, really supportive. And like your mother-in-law, she's always been so supportive of my work. And some people don't really understand um, my work or my, and my passion and why I do it. And it's uh, it's really, and also the more you know about what's going on in the world and unfairness and almost people working as uh, slaves it's uh, it's uh, really hard to not get affected by it so i think it's it's also really important to not get 
annoyed of people who doesn't understand it and they don't really care. They, I can talk to people, but they still shop, shop, shop like crazy and, and donate things and give it away and, and throw away, throw away things. Um, you just have to think you have, you have a, a, a way and, and you have a, a passion. You don't ever give up on that. No, bad, no, no matter what everyone says to you, because you're going to hear so much. And I heard from people, are you going to open a sewing school? Who's going to pay you for teaching their kids to sew? And I was like, I think a lot of people. And now it's full. I have 50 kids who comes every week. And it took me a year. And it was it was Corona as well. And I had to close. And I could open and close and open. And I had to like adjust it. So I I I was allowed to to do my thing. Yeah. Uh, because of the restrictions. And it's I see that it's. Uh, it's really popular, but I don't care what people say. If if you believe in, in what you're doing, you have to every day believe in that. Even if if things doesn't really work out and you 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 get things thrown at you that you try to forget, but it's it's still in your head. Yeah. And I think you have to just find the, the power from from if people are negative, that's because they are not happy with what they're doing and maybe they they don't know what they want to do or they don't uh, dare to do what their dreams are. Yeah, they project their fear onto you. Yeah. Exactly. And then they have to like, maybe they don't understand it uh, or they they think I'm too happy and too excited and too... <laughs> too much everything and and uh, and i think yeah. that's that's why i like to to work with kids because they also have the the excitement about uh, this yeah. small small stuff when people come in and leave uh, a bag of old clothes they see it like treasures and and yeah. so do i and and <laughs> and i think that a lot of grown-ups they don't really have that yeah they lost and, it along the way but they can learn yeah, and you actually have had a lot of demand, ask like grown-ups asking, you know, do you do this for adults as well? So after Corona, that uh, you were mentioning yeah, that yeah. that might be something that you're looking at. Exactly, it's going to be yeah. maybe for uh, also for uh, office uh, offices that are going to do some team building. They can yeah. they can come and fix their things together, and it's it's a it's a really nice nice atmosphere and and the talk the chat you 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 get to know each other so sure. so well in the little sewing sewing uh, studio yeah i also always like to ask my um, guests if they ever had resistance towards speaking and living your authentic truth to the world so you were kind of mentioning this but did you ever like find it really hard or was it always so natural to you that you just spoke your truth about this regardless it was harder 15 years ago because then i i had my beliefs and i knew so much about uh, about the whole uh, fabric fashion textile industry and uh, i i think that i i probably wouldn't have done it if if i would have thought it was hard i always said being a bit <laughs> a bit weird too ecstatic about things and and i get like um, totally caught in the moment so i think that that um they, it, it couldn't have stopped me anyway so it's i just kept kept doing it and and 
um, finding my ways to adapt to every 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 problem who <laughs> was there, and and uh, I think that it's um, I never felt that it was wrong or I should uh, give up. I just had to find new ways. If you have the the passion and the purpose, you don't you don't basically have to work. You just do it because it's uh, the vision it's, pulls uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have to do it. It pulls you. It pulls you up. The, the what you're doing. I don't feel like I'm working, but I'm actually working all the time. Yeah. I say I don't have a a, a job or a hobby. I have a jobby. <laughs> I go to my jobby every day, and I basically work with this all the time there's always some things that you can recreate and there's always some trash you can save and uh, always something you can put together and and having uh, yeah having fun with and yeah to create something new so because I'm a coach I always am curious about others um, if they've had coaches and what their experiences have been I haven't been to to like coaches but I try to surround myself with inspiring people uh people who feels like sunshine <laughs> yeah so if you were to have a coach what what is one thing that you would like to work on maybe getting all my ideas together <laughs> yeah beautiful so uh we're getting to the end of the interview so i want to ask you three rapid fire questions so what's your favorite quote I have a few, but I have one that's um, a quote over my work. I try to see everything as resources. So the one I have had since my the beginning of my trash work is that <laughs> waste isn't waste until we waste it. So, okay. I mean, it's for someone, it's a treasure. And for other ones, it's they just see waste and leftover materials but if you can see the 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 opportunities of making that into something new uh, then uh, we can save a lot of resources yeah so someone's trash is someone else's treasure exactly <laughs> <laughs> and everything has a value that's also a really one of my favorites and everyone is valuable and everything has a value Awesome. Uh, and I also have something I tell the kids because that's what I heard uh, a lot when I was a kid. When I was doing stuff, uh, creating stuff, they were telling me, but you're just, you're wasting your time and this, <laughs> this can't be a job. And now I'm, now I'm actually working with my wasted time over then. <laughs> and I, I'm, uh, that's actually my job now. Nobody thought yeah. that was going to be a job, but but I tell the kids that it's never a waste of time if you enjoy doing it and if yes. you're having fun. Uh, it, exactly. can, it can't be a waste of time. Of course, you have to do schoolwork and you have to do some activities uh, uh, outdoors as well. But it's, uh, it's never a waste of time, knitting and sewing. It's almost like my kind of meditation. Yes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So um, what book has been impacting your entrepreneurial journey the most you know Martina I don't read that much actually yeah. I don't have time to read that much because I just uh, I always do stuff with my hands but I'm I'm, I'm really interested uh, I'm really interested in um, documentaries um, yeah. so I watch a lot of documentaries um, about 
how the world is co is connected. But if I'm gonna say a book, it's uh, probably um, a book called No Logo that I read actually when I was in Kenya. Okay. Because uh, I had some teachers who say, okay, you're into like reusing and redesigning and you should read this book. And I think it's from 2002 or three or something. You get an insight in the fashion industry and how, how everything is, is connected and how the big firms, the big brands, they don't really take responsibilities of the, the production because they don't actually know where it's produced. If you yeah. don't want to say where your product gets, gets made, and who makes them and you can't really you, you can never know that should be forbidden as well so what is something that the listeners of this show can do or focus on this week to get them closer to being as successful entrepreneurs and living life on their terms i think that um right now it's you have to focus on greener solutions and um, i was on a meeting last week uh, and then they say either you can you can do these changes now and be a part of the the change in the future, or you you have to do it in maybe two or three or or four years. So I thinking think about your local environment and trying to make something maybe experiences adding something to your your community. If it's uh, if it's courses and and uh, you can get a new skill, you can get a new hobby. I think that things are a bit out. <laughs> I think yeah. that we 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 have we are producing too much stuff now. So I would not um, sell any physical products, maybe. Yeah, so focus more on services and the local community and how to create a positive green change. Yes, experiences yeah. and, and knowledge uh, and trying to get people to get a hobby and see the, the, uh, the value of, uh, of making something with your own hands or photography class. If you're a photographer, you don't have to sell pictures. You can teach people to to take photos and bring them out in the forest and to the ocean and and try to 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 sell your your skills maybe instead of things and and yeah. um, maybe teach teach people how they can repair your bicycle instead of doing it. Then you also save a lot of money. Yeah, exactly for the taxes. <laughs> you don't have to pay 25% to, to the government. So I think so teaching people skills and, and teaching them how to how to enjoy life. Because I think all of us who, who started our own business, we uh, enjoy so much what we do. And I think that that is something that's really valuable to teach people who maybe hasn't found their their passion in life and their uh, goal um, and they always waiting for something and maybe that's exactly what they're waiting for yeah John. awesome so where can the listeners find you if they're curious about your work i'm posting uh, on uh, instagram and uh, facebook uh, and the store the workshop and the workshop is called uh, Creativity. Awesome. I'll link to that in the description box as well yeah. so that it's easy to find. Yeah. 
So just to summarize in one sentence, uh, what do, would you like the listeners to take away from this whole episode? I would, would like to say smile more and enjoy life. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, so is there anywhere you can find uh, an overview of good retailers or you were talking about a list? Is there somewhere where people can find better vendors for the products that they want to buy? Is there like a um, website or an overview? We have this, uh, this um uh, the future in our hands we have that in uh, Norway and they have they are doing a lot of resources <laughs> they are yeah. really putting brands out there and they're trying to make a change because the brands don't really want to be on the red cross list they want to be on the green <laughs> on the green list so it's uh, if you don't if you don't have that in uh, where 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 you live you should actually try to create that or try to to um, to find it i i know there is some list uh, overall for every brand uh, right now, I don't remember what it's called because I don't go and check that out so much. Um, but it's um, we can we can I can I can find that out. Uh, I, I've been checking that when I didn't find it in the Norwegian version. Um, so we can um, we can publish it maybe. Yeah, I yeah. Know. I'm creating show notes, so I can just link to it in the show yeah. notes. Yeah. And um, people can go and check it out and um, educate themselves on the better choices. Exactly. We are more and more people want to know where their stuff and their food and their clothes comes from. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for getting on the show today. This has been so much fun and I'm so grateful for all the amazing work that you're doing and the ripple effects that that creates. I'm almost getting touched because I think that it's so important. Like <laughs> it's so beautiful. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I was honored to be here <laughs> today. Awesome. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anyone who would benefit from listening in. As always, please leave a review, five stars for good karma. And if you think we need more mindfulness and spirituality in business, if you're interested in coaching with me, head on over to my website and schedule a free discovery call. Finally, if you have any inquiries or you would like to interview me on your show, shoot me an email. Details are in the show notes over at my website, martinathomson.com. Have an amazing week. Cheers, guys.